In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here we are now in the fourth Sunday of Lent, and as we go forward in the fourth Sunday of Lent, as we go forward towards Easter, this is what I want us to keep in mind, is that we get all these images of the vineyard. The two sons who don't quite, you know, go to the vineyard at first, right? Here is the, the first one who's asked by his father, go into the vineyard and work, and he says, no, you know, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be tough, I'd rather not do it. But later on, changes his mind and goes to work in the vineyard. The second one who says, I will do it, and then sees that it's a lot of work and takes a step back. Very, 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 very important as we understand this Lent. Lord Jesus, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I might fail you. I might fail the Father. Notice, both sons were inadequate. Both sons did not quite live up to the expectation of the Father. And yet, right, the perfect son would have been the one who said yes and did it. But rather, the perfect son was the one who said no and later on did it. Very much so encouraging for us who fail in our Lent time and time again, but still get up and continue on towards the journey of Easter. Towards the journey of Easter. What I want us to realize is this. is, You know, when I first started this Lent, we talked about the 311 challenge, in which we give up three distractions, give up one sin, and then add in a spiritual practice, whatever that spiritual practice might be. But it's meant to be that as you go along in Lent, you'll begin to realize, oh, this was not as great of a distraction as I thought it was. Or maybe this was a bigger sin than I thought it was previous. It's meant to be mended as you go along. Maybe you have to give up more than three distractions. Maybe more than one sin, right? Keep molding as you go along because what I want us to focus on today is to be a people who are transformed in their minds. I say this a lot, but in order for us to be true Christians, in order for us to be, to be true disciples of Christ, we need to be people who understand that as we go out into the world, Christianity is not just a Sunday thing. I say this over and over again. It's not just a Sunday thing. If it is just a Sunday thing, then within a generation or two, Christianity will die. It's never been just a Sunday thing. Ever. The church has always changed the world for the better. Always. When it was 300 years after the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, right? In the year 300, 400 or so, there was a massive plague that hit Rome. People were dying in the streets, left and right. No one knew quite what to do. And so the non-Christians of Rome took their stuff and left and waited for the, the sickness to kind of die out. What did the Christians do? They stayed behind. They stayed behind to take care of those who were dying in the streets, whether they were Christian, whether they were pagan, whatever they might have been. But they, they stood behind, they stayed, and they began to take care of those people. Guess what? The modern-day hospital system is based off Christianity. Now, throughout the centuries also, right, schools for everyday people were begun by Christians as well who realized that the everyday man needed a way to learn about education. The church has always been a force of change for the world. We should be no different. Again, church cannot be a Sunday thing. Being a follower of Jesus cannot be just a Sunday thing, we go home, and that's about it. No, not at all. But in order to understand it, we need to be a people who transforms our minds, right? As St. Paul continuously tells us, I need to transform my mind in order that I might be able to live with Christ. Yeah? 
That is what we're looking for. Today, Jesus gives us this parable. Right? He gives us a parable first of the two sons, then he gives a parable of the landowner. Here is this landowner, and in order to understand the landowner, we have to kind of go back about 500, 600 years before Jesus gives this parable, hundreds of years before he gives this parable, to a prophet named Isaiah. And the prophet named Isaiah also talks about a vineyard, and Jesus kind of continues this, right? So again, just bear with me, but again, during this Lent, we've got to be listening to the word of God, so just bear with me for a minute. Here's the prophet Isaiah, who speaks hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. Isaiah says, let me sing of my friend. His friend is God. My beloved song about his vineyard, my friend had a vineyard on a hillside. He cleared it of stones. He planted the choicest vines for beautiful grapes to grow. Within it, he built a watchtower. He made a wine press. And he waited for the crop of grapes to grow. But when those crops of grapes began to grow, they were rot, good for nothing. Now the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could be done for my vineyard that I did not do? Why, that, why when I waited for the crop of grapes, did it yield bad grapes that could be used for nothing? Now I will let you know that I am, what I am going to do to my vineyard. Take away its hedge. Give it to the grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled and destroyed. Yes, I will make it a ruin, it shall not be pruned, but will be overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The people of Judah, the cherished plant, he waited for judgment, but see bloodshed, for justice, but the outcry. What God is saying here is this, right? And we might think of this, we're like, oh man, here's what God did for the ancient Israelites, and man, it must really kind of be terrible to be an ancient, it must really suck to be them, right? Not so, St. Paul says. St. Paul says we are, as the new church, the new Israelites. And so if we are the new church, the Israelites, guess what? Just as the Israelites fail them, we also fail them. We fail God. He gives us everything that we need, to be successful in our faith, and yet we go against him. Think of the Israelites back in the day, and we all know this from the, the stories we know about the Bible, right? Here is, they're constantly going against God because they want to be a part of the world. We don't want to be a people set apart. They're not meant to be a people who are with the rest of the world, but meant to be people who, who are set apart for holiness. To be holy means you are set apart for something else. And so here are the Israelites who constantly go against God, who constantly want to be a part of the world, and we see this countless times. They go and they worship other gods. They go and even in their temple, their place where only God alone should be worshipped, guess what? They place statues of other gods as well. In our own lives, sometimes that's our biggest sin. We place other gods in our life, but we don't realize it. We don't realize it. We're too conformed to this world. We don't want to be a people who are set apart. But we want to be people who are with the world. But we don't realize it. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you turn on social media, every time you turn on your phone, every time you get a news alert, every time you get all these things, we see what the world is constantly doing. But what are we really doing to fight against it? And so Jesus gives us a parable in which he says, here is, he continues on with this idea of Isaiah. He says, here is God who makes this beautiful vineyard. He digs a wine press. 
He plants the best vines you can imagine. And he gives you everything that you need in order to be successful in life, in order to find God. Everything is enough for you to find God. And yet all God wants is what's due to him. All God wants is what's owed to him. And so he sends out messengers. The first one is tortured and beaten. The second one is stoned. The third one killed. And every time he says messengers, they're killed and they're abused, right? Until finally he's like, I'm going to send my only son. And they should surely respect my son, who is going to be the heir of this vineyard, who's going to take over this. And guess what? They kill the son. Because they want to do what it is that they want to do. Because out of their pride, they go against the son. Against what they know is right. My brothers and sisters, the vineyard is the church. The vineyard is the church, and what we are called to do as Christians is to produce good fruits for the church, right? To produce good fruits for the church, and this is why we go through the season of Lent, to realize how my sins cut me off from God. But why are we spending so much time talking about why my sins are cutting me off from the love of God, are cutting me off from God? The reason why I think is this is because Jesus is, realize, is telling us that we, me and you, not just me, not just Shemash Namir, not just Sister Magdalena, we are the church. All of us who are sitting here together. We can't think it's one person. If the church rested on my shoulders, it would die. It doesn't. The church is all of us. And if the church is all of us, guess what? We are on the ship that is changing the world. But Jesus says, in order to change the world, if you don't like what it is that you're seeing, be that force of change. Be that force of change that, again, when you go out there, you fight against the tides of the world. You fight against these other influences of the world. Fight. Don't, be, don't just sit down quietly. You don't like what's going on with transgenderism. You don't like what's going on with gender fluidity. You don't like what's going on with all these other things that go on in the world, Prop 3, whatever these things might be. All these things kind of flood at us, and we feel hopeless. We feel like there's nothing we can do. And sometimes, right, we just kind of sit there, come to Mass, and that's about it. No. Be the force of change. But to be the force of change means looking at our sins and transforming. What I want us to focus on is this. How is it that I'm living in my life that is, is it producing good fruits for the kingdom or bad fruits for the church? Good fruits for the church or bad fruits? We figure this out by the way in which we live. Take a step back and analyze the way you live. Am I going to places that I know I should not be going to? That if someone else knows that here I am, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but they see me in places that I shouldn't necessarily be in, how does that affect their mentality? That's why I don't go to church, because this person goes to church, and I see them, you know, at the casino, religiously, twice, three times a week, right? That's why I don't go to church, or I see them somewhere where I know there's going to lead to sin, or temptation, or whatever it might be. Stay away from it. Be a Christian by the way in which you act. Don't produce bad fruits, good fruits. How is it that we're dressing for men and women? Are you dressing so that others might see you as just objects? as just things to be appreciated from afar? Or are we looking to show what's inside of our hearts and what true, genuine love is? Don't fall into that. Jesus says that there's a transformation of the mind. Each and every thing, each and every aspect of our life changes. Right? Are we speaking in a way that does not glorify God? Kind of, we've got a sailor's tongue. We're constantly swearing up and down, up and down, up and down. 
Are we holding grudges? Are we living as if the only thing that matters is money or things? That can be our God at times. My brothers and sisters, change the way you think. Change the way you think so that as you go out there, you change the world around you. I promise you, the church has done it in the past 2,000 years. In the past 2,000 years, people have always tried to destroy the church, right? But the church has always been that force of change that has changed society. We can still be that. But it matters with what you do when you leave these, this church, these doors, every Sunday. Are you transformed? Or do we just continue doing the same old, same old, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat? Transform yourselves. Be that force of change. And let this Lent be that transformation of your mind so that when Easter comes, we have a new way of thinking. Amen?